Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to episode two of the group chat. While she's going to join me here in a minute, we want to thank everybody who listened to the first episode. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on Spotify. We're going to be up on Apple Podcasts here in the next couple of days. So once we're up, don't forget, you got to rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, maybe we'll mix stuff in. Maybe we won't. Who knows? We'll see. Um, we got some Leafs, Habs chatter coming. We've got uh, some NHL playoffs, some golf stuff, and you know, backed by popular demand, some more group chat moments of the week. So, hope you enjoy the podcast. Here's Foo Fighters. Okay, so so while she, the people have spoken, they love the group chat. You know, we've got I think six listens from last week, so that's about six hundred percent more than we were hoping for. Hey, so that's, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, our analytics, our expected listens are really high right now. Our, you know, our Corsi's great. So we're going to go for round two. We're going to go episode two. We're going to give the people more of what they want. They love the group chat. Let's, uh, let's get into this. I've been, I've been itching to get back at this since we did it last week. Had a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to today's topics. I think there's been a lot happened in the past week. Yeah, we're going to get into some good stuff here. So we're going to start, obviously, Leafs, Habs. It's the most important thing in sports. Especially if you're in Toronto, this is the center of the universe. It's and the, the universe, man. It's there's no other place really that matters. No, and if you don't understand that hockey wise, you're just you're kidding yourself. So this is where we're starting. It's 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 the biggest deal here. So let's like let's talk the kind of elephant in the room right away and, and kind of get it talked about and move on is is the John Tavares injury. Um, you saw it live. I was, I was putting the kids to bed. So I saw the replay. What were you thinking right when it happened and you saw it? Oh, chaps, that was uh, maybe the scariest thing I've seen in, in the NHL. Um, you know, going back to like the eighties and, and, you know, the Bertuzzi kind of thing where, um, you know, there's, there's clearly someone very, very injured on the ice, right? Like, uh, there was a, there was a moment there where I thought I was looking at a dead body, honest to God. Um, well, I saw I saw the replay, and initially they just showed like him getting twisted, and then the hit to the head. They weren't they didn't show him trying to get up, and the trainer helping him and holding him, and then falling back over. So when I saw your couple texts, I was like, and I saw the replay, I was like, well, he sh-, you know, it doesn't look that bad. And then when I saw afterwards, I was like, oh god, no wonder they're like, no wonder everybody's kind of panicking about this because I didn't see I didn't see him trying to get up and falling over, and that was scary. Yeah, I, I've never, not not in a very long time, had my heart up in my throat like that for for an injury on the ice. And, you know, not just the fact that it was JT or a Leaf player, but it could have been anyone. That was a really, really scary moment. Dangerous uh, play, obviously. Um, fully believe it was accidental, honestly. But um, but very dangerous, and I'm just glad to, to kind of see that you know, he seems to be responding well. He was at the, the rink yesterday and he's in contact with the boys every day. So it it looks like, you know, at least from the surface that he's going to be okay out of this. There's no real structural damage. And um, and look, I, I, I hope we can see him again. That would be unbelievable. But if not, you know, I think the, the Leafs have made, you know, a, or have had a good response to, to that injury. Yeah, for sure. What do you what do you think of the fight right after? Um, look, I, I I'm I'm on the I'm not on the fence with this actually. I I, I didn't mind the fight. I, I know a lot of people had issue with the fight. Um, I think Felino, in that situation, did did the right thing. He doesn't have the, um, you know the 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 twenty different replays in slow mo that we all had to see. Um, all he knows is that. You know, his captain's on the ice. Corey Perry was the 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 culprit here. And and let's face it, you know, this this guy's got a little bit of a Mac Cook um <laughs> yeah. Wolf Samuelson, you know, rep to him. And and look, Felino to me did the right thing. His captain's on the ice. Let's let's fight, let's get it over with. And 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 look, I think if Perry doesn't do that, then he's got to deal with you know, Simmons or, or, or someone else. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the fight. And I think Perry was at the end of the day too. I think it was stupid, but I'm okay with it because I understand the situation. Yeah, I agree. Like they don't have, 
like they don't have the replay. They don't have any of that stuff. So like, and even if you did have the replay, like Corey Perry does not get the benefit of the doubt on, on those sorts of plays. And I don't like, I don't think, I don't think afterwards when they see it, they go, yeah, okay. He meant to do that. But the other thing I think it did is it kind of snaps everybody's attention back into the game, right? Where it's like, Hey, this happened and Johnny's been carted off, but okay, we're back playing hockey. We're back invested in this. And, and like, I didn't have a problem with it at all. And Corey Perry's been in the league long enough. He knows what the, what the deal was. And, and Shea Weber was there and all three of those guys, it's not like, it's, it's not like they don't know, you know, kind of the, the rules of the game. And, and so they, you know, they kind of settled. It isn't the right word, but they, they got, they moved on. That's right. You said it right earlier. They moved on from it. And, you know, and, and Shea, Shea, Shea was like, come on guys, you know, talking to Felino and that little before it happened and being like, listen, that was clearly an accident. No one meant to do that there. Right. So, um, and uh, you know, I, I fully believe that that is true. So, but again, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with the response and I think you're right. It, it got them back in the mindset of playing hockey and, um, and, and not thinking about, you know, what they just saw. Yeah. And I think, you know, the rest of that period, you can certainly tell that the Leafs were rattled. Um, you know, just looking on the guys' faces, they didn't look like they were in it, but they came out. I thought they came out this, the second and third period in that game. And I, I mean, I know they lost, but I still think they controlled the rest of game one. Um, you know, they give, they give up the shorthanded goal. We're going to talk their power play because, you know, it bounced back in game two, but their power play cost them, you know, with a given up a shorty in that game. But I thought they had a really good response in, in the rest of that game, even though it didn't turn out for them. Look, they've, outside of two periods, the, the first period in game one and, and game two, and, and look, in game three, third period. So three periods, the Leafs have, the Leafs have otherwise dominated this series. Like, yeah, it's just nothing dominated. And, okay, in, in game three and the third, they're, they're sitting on that lead and trying to hold on playing yeah. a bit more defense but look Montreal really put some pressure on there to try and win that game obviously. Yeah, but, they get uh, credit for they get credit for a big time push there, right? It's yeah, the Leafs were sitting back a bit but but you you have to expect you're going to get those sorts of pushes in a game that's close and and Montreal feels like they can get a tie in it. Yeah, they're they're professionals too, man. They're they're yeah. they're NHLers and they you know, they're not going to sit, they're not going to lay back. They're going to come at us. Um and and they did. And uh, by and large you know, uh, like I said, the Leafs have have really dominated the majority of the play in the puck possession. Um, and it looks to me that, especially in the last game, um, that this Habs team is getting a, a little bit worn out with really trying to play physical and, and some guys maybe playing a bit more physical than they're used to. Well, and I had said to you guys in, in, the, in the GC that, like, Montreal looked like they came out last game with some with some jump, but there's I think they're so focused on trying to be physical that it's just it's taken a toll on on them where it's they're constantly running around looking for the next hit, and if if that's what you're doing, it simply means you don't have the puck at all. You know, like if 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 Montreal is constantly trying to hit Toronto, I means Toronto's got the puck, Toronto's creating offense, and it is exhausting to play defense and to play physical and never have the puck and never play with a lead. Nothing drove me more mad as a hockey player than seeing the next day and having your meeting with your coach of why didn't you, you know, have 10 hits in the game yesterday? Well, well, coach, <laughs> I had the fucking puck the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to do here? We, we had, we were in their zone the entire game. Yeah. Like I, I can't, it's such a dumb, I've got the puck. So, it's such a like, dumb way to look at a game. <laughs> Like, oh, they out hit them. They're more physical or they just like they're not good enough. So they're chasing the game the whole game. Exactly. And, like, and I, I think I think part of what we talked about has, you know, in, in, the, in the first episode has, has shown itself here where Toronto's just simply a deeper, more offensively talented team. And it shows like, OK, so JT goes out and, you know, Matthews and Marner have had like Matthews had three points in one game. And I think Marner has his three points in two separate games. But you've got Nylander, who's played exceptionally well, and guys like Kerfoot, who stepped up and played really well. I thought Mikheyev, and and even though Engvall doesn't have any points, he come, I thought he's come into the lineup and played really well. And all this depth that Toronto has 
of good players is just simply better than Montreal. It's, um, I mean, look, if we go back to some of the things that we were looking for in, in this series, right. One of them was, was secondary scoring and, and, you know, obviously the JT injury um, really hurts here, but my goodness, um, this Willie Kerfoot Galchenyuk line has been lights out, just dominating when they're on the ice. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you didn't touch on Spezza, but Spezza, Thornton, oh, I'll these get guys are playing well, really well. And then, of course, that third line of, um, of Engvall, Mikheyev, and, uh, and Simmons, they're just a nightmare to play against. The, I'm really loving what I'm seeing with the depth of this team. The secondary scoring is there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit down on, on the top line right now. But, look, they're, they're playing against a very, very tough D pair. I, I don't know if they're going to see, you know, another D pair like this as they move on through the playoffs unless they, you know, connect with Tampa at some point. Um, but, but this D pair's really done a good job against Matthews and Marner five on five. And um, but uh, I'm expecting those guys to, to break out soon, too. Yeah, like AP this week with an all time bad scouting report saying Montreal doesn't have a great top D pair. Like, sorry, but Shea Weber is still one of the elite defenders in the NHL. Is he what he used to be? No, but I mean, they're, they're physically doing a number on, on Matthews and, and Marner and they're, you know, they're taking away their chances, but I mean, I'm, I'm the president of the William Nylander fan club here in that, like, I think he's a guy who's gotten such, such a bad rap in this, in this market and, and not just in this market by, by other people, like people look at him because he's an easy skater and because he's an effortless player, you know, that he isn't working harder. He doesn't compete. And I just think it's wrong. You know, can guys lose puck battles? Sure. You can lose a puck battle. Like the other team, you said it earlier, the other team's a bunch of professionals too, but Willie has, is, is really dominating offensively right now. And, they, they just they don't have an answer for him and what Kerfoot you know you you kind of we weren't sure what you were going to get from Kerfoot coming into the series playing third line wing um, they tried Felino at center there and then they put Kerfoot there and he's been awesome the last couple games and you and I talked beforehand and we didn't think Galchenyuk should come out of the lineup to start the series and I don't think he's going to come back out of it once everybody's healthy again not at, at this point I, I see no path to him being out of this lineup um, and I, I don't know who comes out. Well, clearly Brooks, uh, whoever that kind of 12 forward is yeah. moves, moves out when Felino comes back. But when JT or if JT gets back in the lineup, um, I'm, they're going to have some tough decisions to make because isn't it, isn't it Riley Nash? Like, have we seen anything from them that would suggest like they have guys like Riley Nash? I think like Mikheyev, Engvall, Simmons like I don't think they they really need a Riley Nash in that lineup when Galchenyuk is providing what he's providing yeah I, I look I, I agree I, I think Nash brings a different element to the game than some of these other guys you know just due to he's a trustworthy guy but at yeah yeah at that's true this point I I don't see I don't see anything um that suggests that you know Keith makes a lineup change here uh it would it would take something kind of odd i think to to get nash back into the lineup um look brooks didn't have a great game so nash may get back in yeah right you're now right in this next game but but um but i kind of liked um what i saw especially later in the game after brooks took that kind of silly penalty he, yeah. he came back strong in the third and he had a good real good third period you know he sent spets in on that breakaway early that could have really changed kind of yeah. how we think about the the game that adam brooks played yeah um and um, and look, but I, I just think everybody's playing so well right now that it's it's really, really uh, difficult to make any changes. Yeah, I think so. And and Galchenyuk, I think he adds to their second power play group. And if they're going to continue to do this two separate groups nonsense, <laughs> you know, they're going to have to have somebody on the second unit. Like, I just for the life of me, I cannot understand why. Nylander is not in a shooting position opposite Matthews on the first unit. I do not understand it. And and you're seeing 
you're seeing them, the, the Canadians, they're, they're giving the shot to Marner. There is zero fear of Marner being able to beat Carey Price, who's playing lights out, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah. Zero fear that Marner can beat Price with any type of shot. I think they, they're willing to let Mitch Marner walk into the top of – not even the top. I think they're willing to let him walk into the hash marks and take a clapper. And I still think that that blueberry muffin is not going to go by Price. <laughs> Price is playing out of his mind. Some of the, That save on Spezza, oh. I mean, is the, is the, the cherry on top. It's... But, like, he's playing incredibly well for a guy who's coming off an injury, didn't have a great year, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, he's Carey Price. Don't yeah. forget that. Yeah, he's he's channeling um, Carey Price from from four years ago uh, right now. And um, look, it's he's he's giving this team a chance to stay in games. Um, now on the on the other side, you know what we were looking at with with Campbell. Man, Campbell's played pretty damn exceptional as well. Um, he's making all the saves that you're supposed to. He looks every bit the as comfortable as he did in the regular season, and you know he's uh, he stepped up to the plate also. So the Leafs, you know, typically, you know that that's that's one of the the things that you're looking at. And you know, look whether it's right or wrong, the, the goaltending is always going to be um, in the spotlight. Let's call it in Toronto, and yeah. um, I think Campbell is really really easing people's uh, minds on um, you know the goaltending situation here. Well, and I was one of them. Like I said in, in episode one, I thought Freddie would, would show up in this series at some point. And, like, at some point, you just got to say, Jack Campbell's, like, he's playing really well. And I'm not sure he's getting anywhere near enough credit for the way, for the season he's had. Like, he's not mentioned, and, and maybe he didn't play enough games to get mentioned in, in the Vesna talk, but he certainly has the numbers for it. And he certainly has the numbers in this series, you know, if, if they're able to advance and, and you have Connor Hellebuck, it's not like you sit there and go, Oh my God, we're, we're so outmatched in goal. Like there's nothing to suggest that, that the moment is too big for Campbell at this point. No, absolutely not. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, the people that uh, out here and one of the fans out here that believe that when you're building your roster and building your team, um, you know, you can't have a $10 million goalie. And, you know, the fact that, you know, we've got Campbell in here, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what his, um, what his salary is, but it's somewhere around, I, I think he's a million bucks million or something. Yeah. Um, and he's coming in and playing and outplaying a lot of, you know, high end goaltenders in, in the league. I think this is the blueprint to, to how you build your team. You build it with good goaltending. Um, it doesn't need to be elite. Um, but you certainly need to have the, the the strength down the middle and and on the blue line, and that's where I think the Leafs are really strong. Yeah, they are, and like they're saving like when the cap's going to matter next year. Right now, it doesn't, but like you're obviously not bringing Freddie back and and Campbell on like a, a million dollar contract, who's clearly going to be their starter next year. You know, it's going to allow them to do some different things. So it's going to be interesting. And he's taking the ball and run with it, and there's no reason at all to doubt what he's going to be able to do. I think going forward, I think he's proven enough to me that this is what he is. And we don't have, we don't have a, a goaltending concern here as we go forward. No, absolutely not. Now, now look, I've got a question for you. Yeah. You've, you've watched all the games just like I have. What is, what is your take on Marner right now? I think like I keep, I, I just think he needs more. Like he's had, I thought he started game four really well and then it tailed off and I think he's out there. He's, but he's not, he's not producing like a guy who gets the ice time he gets, who gets the opportunity that he gets and needs to, if, if Willie isn't producing the goals right now and Toronto's tied at two, Marner has got to be taking, is taking way more heat than he's getting right now. He's getting a pass on, on his on his production simply because it hasn't had to be there because other guys are getting it done. I've, it's not that I think he's playing poorly, but just like McDavid, who we'll talk about later, like you set a standard come in the regular season. And if you want to be a guy who 
is considered a, a, a great player in the league. You have to elevate your game come the playoffs. And I just don't think he's elevated his game the way he needs to through the first four games. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hundred percent alignment with that. Like I, I was really Marner has did not play well in those first three games. He was, he was not playing well. And uh, a lot of giveaways, a lot of um, look, he had a few assists, a couple of assists and made a couple of nice plays, um, especially on the Riley goal. Um, but, but ultimately he's, he's, he's been a bit of a letdown. If I'm, if, if I'm looking at this team and, and saying, okay, where are my expectations for certain players? You know, Mitch just hasn't, hasn't lived up to that right now. Now, to your point, game four, he was the best player on the ice in the first, in the first period. There, yeah. there was no question. Now he, tailed off through as that game went on um but as as the Leafs got the leads I I think you know a lot of it was you know more focused on defensive play he was penalty killing a lot and doing a great job at that by the way and um so so look but definitely need to get more out of him more production he's got to he's got to find a way to hit the back of the net here and I I'm I'm looking for that tonight actually I'm I'm looking for Mitch to to have a a big game tonight um, find, find the back of the net. He's had his chances. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think if he does that and he can get himself on the board and get that confidence up, um, we, we could see, uh, you know, the end of the series tonight. Where are you at with him killing penalties? Like I've, I've not that I'm against star players killing penalties. Cause I think it keeps them engaged. It keeps them in the game. If Matthews could wants to kill penalties, I think he can do it, but, I mean, you saw in game one, his ice time, Marner's ice time is up at 27 minutes. He's over 22, 23 minutes every night. Does that, does that wear a guy down too much? What do you think about, the, about having guys like him kill penalties? Look, I'm fine with him killing penalties. Lots of, lots of good teams do it. Um, I, I just don't want him being out there twice you know, during one penalty kill. I think, yeah. I think he's just getting too much of that. He's doing yeah. a great job, and you know that's why he's getting out there. But, but I think you know if you want to get more production, um, you know he needs to be out there in five on five situations. Um, yeah. But but look, Keith, Keith clearly trusts him out there, and and, and I I understand why now um, because throughout the course of this year specifically, and certainly throughout this playoffs, this penalty kill has been really the biggest reason that they've been winning games. Um, and, uh, especially considering that that power play has been abysmal for the most part, oh, God. Uh, they, they need to have kind of a great uh, penalty kill and, uh, they're getting that, you know, from Marner, from Hyman, from Engvall, uh, from Kerfoot. Kerfoot's been awesome on the PK. Yeah. Um, those four guys specifically have really done an amazing job and, 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 you know, Spezza's getting out there and winning his draws and, and getting off, but I think they've found you know, they're, they're kind of units, let's call it. And, um, you know, Keith is obviously uh, uh, playing those guys a lot in those situations. Yeah. And I'm glad we'll, we'll hit on Spets and then we'll move on. I'm glad you brought him up. Like, so when he signed in Toronto two years ago, I think we both thought the same thing. It's like, okay, you know, he was a great player, but he's at the end of his career and don't you want something different on your fourth line? And, you know, I, I will fully admit I was I was just wrong about it. I thought he was done after those those last few years in Dallas were ugly and he got he's gotten here and it's like it's just a completely different player. He he loves the he loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf and like I grew up I grew up with him and he's always you know loved been a Leafs fan and loved being from Toronto and so like he's I'm not shocked that he came to the Leafs and wanted to play here but I'm just I am so surprised what he's been able to do, especially this year. Like it's amazing how he's playing and what him and Thornton are doing on that fourth line. It's, it's unbelievable for me to be so wrong on this one. Yeah. I, I hated that signing. Hated it. It made zero sense to me at the time. Why are you bringing this guy in here to be on your fourth line, to be your fourth line center? Like, that's not what I want to see. That's not what wins, you know, hockey games. That's not what wins in, in the playoffs. And I'm telling you, since since that signing, 
And since really Keefe has taken over this team, I don't think, okay, I'll say there have been two guys really benefit from, from the, the coaching change, right? It's, it's number one, it's been Willie. Willie has really benefited from this coaching change. Um, and, and secondly, obviously Spezza. Spezza, he, he looks like, you know, Spezza from six years ago right it's, now. Like, it's crazy how good he looks. Playing unbelievable. He's, you know, I, I, I still can't believe it. Like when we were looking at points per 60 minutes this year in the NHL, number one, Connor McDavid, number two, Brad Marchand, number three, Jason Spezza. Yeah. That is unbelievable believable i i could not believe that's that when i saw it and he looks so like we they show pictures of him on the bench right and when you think of a an aging star player who and he was a star player like we discussed the other day and if he's a hall of fame guy he's and he's a potential and, hall of famer like he's yeah one of those 50 50 guys and he's just on the bench like he's chatting he looks happy he looks engaged and you're just like man how many guys can do that and just accept a new role and then succeed at it. You don't see it very often, guys. Guys like of his stature just don't succeed in this new role that he's that he's just that he's having this kind of this kind of production in. And and typically, right? Typically, you know, these quote unquote skill guys, they don't age well. That's in, right. In the NHL. They don't age well. And they they have to be willing to make moves like this, but not a lot of them are able to transition their game you know, into getting, going from, let's call it 16 to 20 minutes a game to, you know, let's call it eight to 10 minutes a game and, yeah. and still, still having production and still being a leader and still, you know, being a role model for all those younger guys. And, and Spezza has been nothing but uh, a, just a, a complete leader in this, in this dressing room and, and, and on the ice for this team, you know, what he did in the playoffs to really spark that, that big comeback in against Columbus last year, you know, completely changed the narrative for me on, on Jason Spezza. Like he had had a good year, but I was still kind of on the fence of, I, I still don't love this. I think this is not the right way to build your team. Um, but my God, has he, has he made a difference in, in, in this lineup? Yeah, that seems to have been actually I'm – I'm glad you say that because that seems to have been really the turning point for a lot of people. Where it's like when you hear about Jason Spezza as the, a leader in Toronto, it always starts with, hey, you remember that fight against Columbus? And like as much as people think fighting can be overrated or whatever, when you get an old an, – I say old, we're the same age. If you, if you get an older veteran player who drops the gloves and – accepts a role and understands you know that he's going to do whatever it takes it really elevates a team and that's you know that's one thing that the Leafs have they have Simmons they have Thornton they have Spezza and a lot of other teams don't have that and they need it like when you look at the Oilers and they collapse in that 4-1 game what's the one thing that that you look at that they don't have they do not have a Jason Spezza or Joe Thornton who can who can calm everybody down and say, hey, it's okay, don't worry, we got this, and you know they're quickly out in a series in four games. They, I think that was a really good segue into the Oilers and this Jets series. Um, that's pro. That's pro podcasting. Pro podcasting. That's yeah. how you transition, folks. <laughs> um, look, the I'm I cannot believe the Oilers got swept. Um, now, in saying that, I think Winnipeg is a better team. Yeah, I, I think they're a better team, you know, top to bottom. But but look, you know, Winnipeg started this series, no Ehlers, no Dubois, um, very thinned out lineup, and we're still able to go into Edmonton and take two on their ice and, yeah. and then take it home. And look, there's three overtime games, say what you want, but their stars came to play. Kyle Connor, um, you know, Mark Shifley, these guys, you know, were, were absolutely dominant in, in, in that series. Um, Blake Wheeler, you know, awesome captain showed up, but it looks to me like exactly what you said. Like they've, they've got this star power up front. Edmonton is, uh, that is with, with these two big guns, but outside of that really, okay. Nurse is coming into his own. You know, I've talked about what an unbelievable season he's had. And, yeah. and and that he's looking like 
an absolute number one defenseman and maybe a guy that wins a couple of Norris's here in the next couple of years. But um, outside of, let's call it those three. Yeah. I'm, there, there's nothing on this team. Like there's nothing. I, I, I don't know what these guys are going to do in the off season here. I, I just don't. I, I think they need to do something a little bit like what the Leafs have done, where you build kind of that, the back end of your roster with low cost veterans, but who the fuck wants to go to Edmonton? No one. Like it's a no bit one. different, right? Like yeah. you're not getting Joe Thornton to go to Edmonton. No. And like, no. <clears throat> it's great to have, it's great to have those two guys up front and, but you can't fall in love with somebody like, so Nugent Hopkins is up. You, I'm sorry. You can't pay him six or $7 million to stick around. That's their part of their problem is they've got guys like Cassian making too much money. And, you know, if you start overpaying Nugent Hopkins to be what should be your third line center, you can't do that. You've got to make sure that you find some talent on the wings for those for those big two guys. And you you got to build some real. It's so funny. It, you you don't think anymore about top six, bottom six. It's usually you know top nine. But I think they need to really focus on that kind of middle six bottom six group of players in Edmonton because it's there's nothing there it's it's outrageous how bad they've done surrounding McDavid and Dreisaitl it's um it's shocking really and look what what are your feelings on Nugent Hopkins okay he's a he's a free agent in in here in the in the offseason he's going um he's going to be a free agent what is he a 50 point guy he makes six million a year I'm not paying him six million in a year. So I, he makes what he makes what Nylander makes. Do you want to pay him? Is he the same player? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I don't think you can have a guy like that. He has to be a second line center. You know, is he good enough to be a second line center on a championship team? I don't think so. So I, I, I don't think so. I, I look back at that draft. Oh, oh man. Can, you know, it, has any team drafted worse than the Oilers? No, absolutely not. Even the guys that they like, I know they ship out Hall, they ship out Eberly. Wouldn't those two look good on the wings with McDavid and and Dreisaitl at the moment? Like, <laughs> and they ship them out for literally nothing. And you just nothing. like, what are they? Not only did you botch drafting because they've got nothing outside of taking guys first overall. They've got nothing. And then you decide, well, you know what we should do? We should trade these guys away for nothing. And just like, I mean, they've got a ton of cap space this summer. But but what's out there for a difference maker? I don't know. And McDavid and Dreisaitl have to wear some of this too because they get shut out in the first two games of a series. And if Edmonton has any chance of winning a a series, they, they just, they have to get between a, they have to do what they did in games two and uh, three and four, not games one and two, and they didn't do that. No, agreed. Look, they they came on hard in three and four, and, and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on McDavid for the way he played. He, I when I watched, he was clearly you know out there battling. Um, yeah. And 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 look, Drysaddle is not the same type of player. He 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 he's a bit lazier in the in the sense that. You know he is very focused on on scoring goals and and whatnot, and that's what he is. But yeah. but those guys I thought played well in those games, well enough to win um, those games as well. But they just got nothing else. And you know the Nugent Hopkins thing, it's it's amazing. A former number one overall pick, and oh. I he he gives absolutely nothing unless he's on with those two guys. And yeah. And look, I, I I don't know. I I think I think Losey could get a goal or two with those two guys. I'm pretty sure he could. I mean, talk about a guy whose skill has fallen off the map, right? <laughs> and he, I think he could still he could still get something. But I mean, now you've got now you've got a playoffs where your biggest star in the game is out in round one, and your two biggest stars over the last 15 years they're out now too. And like this is clearly a changing of the guard in, in the NHL for, for those two franchises, Pittsburgh and Washington. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, man, I watched that, that Penns game last night. Now, now there's a bit of a difference in these two teams, chaps. Like when I watched that game last night, 
I'm I'm watching Crosby. Obviously, you're watching Crosby and Malkin and these guys. Yeah, those guys look done, man. They yeah. look done. They looked uninterested in competing with that Islander team. Now that Islander team is super physical. Yep. And and you know, I thought that was a terrible matchup for the Pens in round one, and a great matchup for the Islanders in round yeah. one. Um. I think if the Islanders play the Bruins or whatever in round one, I, I don't think the Bruins lose to that team, but, but the pens, you can be physical with that team and make them quit a bit. We've seen it. And the Islanders have done it to him a few times. Yeah. We've seen that over the past few years. And the Islanders have really, really kind of dummied that team in the playoffs recently. Yeah. And um, I think like Sid, I'm not a big fan of a plus minus stat having been minus 37 one year. <laughs> <laughs> just a dash for life yeah but i mean sid in an elimination game is minus three last night and he was just not anywhere near good enough and like it's not like anybody's gonna sit here and say oh sid isn't one of the greatest players of all time but oh, he is he is at, absolutely but, but but we have to start accepting that sid is at the very you know the very end i think of his productive years and like that's three three years in a row where they either haven't made the playoffs or been out in the first round and and then out in the second round the year before that and Sid's production in the playoffs has been has really just not been very good so like I don't I don't know what Pittsburgh does I don't think you can blow it up because I still think Sid has something left and it's you can't just move on from a, a legend of your franchise like that but. I don't know what they do there. They've got no goaltending and Malkin and Latang are, are aging and not as productive and Sid is aging and the cast around them isn't as good as it was. And I, I don't know what they do there. Yeah. The, and, and look, I'm just going back to what I was saying, the difference in the two teams, when I'm watching the pens, their stars, the Sids and the Malkins, um, you know, in the playoffs for sure. Look, look uninterested. Yeah. versus the Caps, I think they have a different problem. I think it's more fixable in Washington than it is in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Simply from the fact that, okay, Ovechkin is still dominant in, in, in these playoff games. He's, he's clearly still, you know, elite guy going to get his goals, going to produce – I just think they've got a real problem down the middle. And you know how I was saying these aging, you know, um, I don't want to call them softer players, but the the Backstroms and the Kuznetsovs, those guys, while still kind of a bit young, they're getting older. And, you know, they're not competing at the same level as they did, you know, on that cup run, for example. Right. Backstrom is 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 not a guy that's going to age well in this league just simply because he relies so much on his skill and 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 he's not going to do the dirty work and the battling and i don't think i think you could win with that four years ago that type of player and you know um but now as he's getting older i just i just don't think that you can have him as your number one center no i think you're right if he slides down into the number two hole you know, okay, you're in good shape because you got somebody else who can who can handle those tougher matchups. Who that is that could be available? Like, it's not like number one centers grow on trees, right? No, but... no. I was just gonna say that now. <laughs> now that being said, I'm not I'm not sure who they're gonna come in and yeah. fix this situation. But but, but I, I do think, agree with you. I, I think, think Obi still has there, right? Like you can you can you can find some some players. Yeah, and they've got they've got Carlson, who's not that old, and and the goalie. Um, Samson, Samsonov, who's who's a young kid, so they they have some young guys in Washington, and I think you still got Oshie and and Wilson, and the young and the core is still pretty good in Washington. It's better than Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh. We talked about this before the playoffs. They had a super easy schedule for the last three months, where they played the Rangers, they played you know, Buffalo in Jersey they- and Buffalo the whole time, and then you got to listen to Penns fans talk about how great they are, and you go, hey man. You're playing some junior B teams here. <laughs> so pump the brakes a little bit. And I think it showed come playoff time where it was just like they've been playing too many bad teams. And when they got against a really good team, they didn't have it anymore. Yeah. They, 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 look, they, I'm not going to say they quit. They didn't quit, but 
they no. um they, they just couldn't get it done against like you said a very aggressive um Isles teams that that really put put them to the test yeah. um and uh you know I, I like i said i think we've seen this time and time again with this pens team and and look i think this is a blackhawks i think this is a kings situation where okay the rebuild needs to really start and needs to start now you know who's you know who's not rebuilding Walshie is Phil Mickelson apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Phil at Phil at fifty like you know what guys I'm good I'm gonna play the longest toughest course you've got here I'm just gonna go ahead and win at fifty this is insane to me this is this has been the sports story of the week it's taken over um, golf has taken over this this Mickelson win met. Man, I was glued to the TV on Sunday. Glued to it. Now I've been, I've been Phil's biggest fan since he's been my favorite golfer, you know, for forever. Um, so, so Sunday was absolute, like absolutely glorious for me. I loved it. You know, watching, you know, living and dying with every, with every shot. To be quite honest, and I love the fact that he dummy Kepka. Yeah. in that final round and, and you know everybody just kind of faded and he just he just he's 50 he won the turn man he looks better than he did 10 years ago this guy I know is that... like he's like benjamin button he's he's, <laughs> he's he's growing younger like it's yeah. unbelievable it's i like... know i know the tiger at the masters was you know it's tiger and okay fine this is more impressive than tiger winning at the masters i i, I wanted to say there was so, so you're literally stealing some of my points here. It, <laughs> it, it is way more impressive than yeah. the Tiger win. Tiger, okay, he was playing well. He was, he was, he went into that tournament as one of the betting favorites at a course that that he knows because you play it every single year, and he plays it really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Phil winning this tournament was absolutely unbelievable. It was unbelievable for, for golf. It. It won the ratings over yeah. over the NBA that day. It's that, 13 million viewers. That's a, that's a crazy number. I know. I know. It just goes to show you that there's, you know, when those types of guys, those stars get back into kind of that winning situation, that winning form, you know, people want to watch. They want to watch Phil, right? They want to watch Tiger. They want to watch these guys. Um, and and watch those guys compete with these young studs, and and you know Kepka typically doesn't falter in those situations, and uh, and you know Phil's out there out driving him. It's it was unbelievable. I was yeah. so impressed with this, um, and and absolutely way bigger deal uh, for me than than the Tiger thing. And you know what else? You know what else I love about Phil winning. The thumbs that up, just tiger, like hey, I... that tiger fans fucking hate it. <laughs> Losey's just pulling his. If Losey had hair, he'd be pulling it out. They fucking hate it, chaps. Oh, I they, know. They can't even be happy for him. No, I'm getting no. texts from from my buddies that are tiger fans, and they're like, "Congrats, your boy got one." Blah blah blah. I wasn't <laughs> rooting for him. Who the fuck were you rooting for? Well, that's right. Like, what? What were you excited about, Deschambeau? <laughs> like, like, well, who are what, you, Harry Higgs? Like, what, <laughs> what was going on here? Why were you rooting for for, for Phil Mickelson to win at fifty years old? Yeah, like you guys can't even be happy for you know any of the Tiger rivals. Like, okay, when Sergio won, it was uh, well, I, I'm not cheering for him. They'll actually cheer against him. Tiger fans are the worst. Yeah, I, they did. <laughs> I hate them. They they are. <laughs> Habs and Bruins fans. These guys are Yankee fans. I'm done with Tiger fans, man. I'm done yeah. with them. <laughs> it's 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 so right. I'm like, very passionate about this, chaps. As you should like, it's it Tiger fans, like they're just like, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. It's like, look at what Phil just did. Yeah. He's 50. He's I, playing on the senior tour for Christ's sake. I, I and feel... he just beat the best the best field that golf has had this year. He just beat it. And People, people are like, ah, he's not Tiger. I don't care. Look at what he just did. The, the man, 
I just love it that Tiger fans have to eat that. Like, they have to eat it. I just love it. Um, yeah. And you know what? I just don't get it. I feel like Tiger fans, they feel like they're cheering for the good guy. Tiger is a shit human. He's not he's a good a person. He's a shit human. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, he's not the, He's not a good person. He just he's isn't. not a good and, person. He just he, like he, you this can is cheer such... for his golf game, but like I can't cheer for that guy. I can't no. cheer for him. No, it just and I, I I feel like those guys feel like they're cheering for the good guy. They're not. They're not. You're wrong. You're wrong, You're wrong. on this. Tiger's yeah. not a good human. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, and no, I like... love it that Phil Phil just won that tournament. Yeah, and I love just just like here's a quick thumbs up after the win, like no big deal. I'm we're all good here. Just a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look, so these, we'll, these are these are my opinions. I'll just say this: like, these are not factual. <laughs> these are my. Opinions. These are just. My <laughs> <laughs> so, people were totally transfixed last week by the group chat moments oh, of the week they that were was a lot of fun I, I that was my favorite segment last week the tripod guy was trending and it might just the tripod guy just might be be a part of the group <laughs> chat going forward because it was just it was fantastic and people loved it and so we're going to give everybody a little bit more and so this week you know, this week was a little more focused on sports than than normally, but a couple things popped up that caught my attention. One, I went off on on people posting pictures about going hiking. And like, I'm not going to go. Well, I'm going to go on a rant here. Okay. I'm going to do okay. it. I need like, to- you're not you're not going hiking when you're when you're walking through a park that has a paved path, that's Stop not it. hiking, man. It's, it's not, not a hiking. hike. It's, this it's is, a walk. It's a walk. Hiking is on a mountain or in a bush where people haven't been before and you need equipment. That's hiking. If you're in a provincial park and you're snapping selfies and everything is, is manicured, stop it. Stop posting these pictures. And of course, the response to this is just like, hey, man, relax. What's your problem? But I'm upset about it. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get why people can't have to post that. It's, a, it's not a hike. It's, just, it's a walk. It's not a hike. <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. I, I see these pictures on there. And I'm like, oh, that's that's society now, man. Like people have to take a picture. They have to they like it didn't happen unless I posted on social media. And look. You're posting it on social happen. media something you're... that is, it's a walk. It's yes, a walk. It's just a walk. Your hike didn't happen because it's not a hike. Jesus. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just... uh... And so I'm going off like an old man. And then, of uh, look, course. That, that being said, I'm not sure you should have been this upset about it. Well, and that leads me to the next, <laughs> the, that leads me to the follow-up is, like, we get too angry about these things. Losey's in line at getting his like a new driver's license picture. You know, he's got the tripod set up and he's taking another <laughs> picture and he's in line at service Quebec or whatever, whatever it's called there. And yeah, I don't, know. I don't know what it's called there. He's going off that some woman's talking on her phone. Like, like it matters to him that this lady's standing there talking talking to you know talking to a friend for 10 minutes on the phone like it's somehow ruining his life Losey lives in like a seinfeld episode man <laughs> he he just lives in a seinfeld episode like these these things that don't bother 99.9 percent of people are are really really affecting his day yeah really and affecting like, his day and like he's been faking being a better person for the, last, <laughs> for the last seven or eight months. Right. Like he's not, he's, he's trying to be this, this nice guy, but it was so great to see him just going off on something that did not impact it, his life whatsoever. It, it, it just brought me back. Like that was, that was, uh, that was, that was Losey, you know, you know, eight months ago. That, that, that's right. That's, that's what, that's the guy I know. Yeah, this and guy. now it's now it's not him because he's lying. He's lying about who he is to us, 
And, but for him, like, it was so great to see him just being upset about people talking on the phone in public, like, like an old man yelling at kids to get off his lawn. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I don't, don't you just think that, that Losey is going to grow into, you know, one of these Clint Eastwood characters that just sits <laughs> on a rocking chair in his front porch, just yelling at kids. Yeah. Like, I just, that's what I'm picturing, man. Yeah, I can't wait till next summer when that's what we see him doing. Right? That's about where he's in. That's about how far away it is. Oh god. And then I've got to listen to and then I've got to listen to AP with his Tom Brady memes. So AP is a, a Bucks fan to the shock a Tampa Bay Bucks fan to the shock of no one because he's a he's a want to want to be Floridian. He's a, yeah. He's the Tampa boy. And now Tom Brady's Twitter has been on fire with the with giving it to Aaron Rodgers. The the, and the match AP, that that has been unbelievable over the past twenty four hours. And AP just soaking it up and rubbing it in my face is like it's enough. And now we get it. You won a Super Bowl. You know, move on. Buy some sleeves for your tank top, and let's continue on with our day. No, if if anything, he's he's never he's he's sleeveless, man. He's not he's not buying sleeves. He's, those, he's, he might be those, getting rid of the tank top. He might those, just be walking around topless at this point, like <laughs> flexing every time Tom Brady tweets. But how good have those memes been lately? Oh, the oh, Kepka, the Deshambo, um, battle back and forth. The, um, you know, the, uh, that interview is wild, by the way. I think, look, we're running out of time and I don't think we have time to talk about it. We've got no. to bring this in yeah, to, next to an episode at some point because I feel like that meme is like, it's got to be a top five meme. I feel like we're going to see this for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. It's but so now it's great. It's just Brady and AP flexing and I've had enough. Does, but, okay. Let's finish on this though, because does Tom Brady have the best social media guy in the world? I think every other star athlete needs to get Tom Brady's social media guy. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> since he left new England, it's just been, outrageous what he's got going on on social media and everybody loves it like everyone loves it even though he's taking shots at rogers like it's just great everyone loves whatever he's got going on right now it's fantastic he's like people should be lining up at that guy to run their twitter account absolutely he's he's made tom brady likable like that guy was not likable while he was in new england he just wasn't and now he's got this social media presence that's unbelievable he it's he's got the funniest stuff on on Twitter. There's no question, and you know he's not afraid. And he came out after Rogers. Oh, just he, throwing he, dagger. He threw he threw a dagger to the heart. Yeah, yeah it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Anyway, bud, uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll text in the group chat, and we'll bring we'll bring the group chat back to people next week because the people have loved it. We're off to a great start. All right, man. That was fun. I loved it right. again. And uh, yeah, let's do it again next week. And and hopefully we've got some some more real good Leaf content to talk about. And um, and we'll get into that. All Leafs all day. Awesome. Talk later, bud. All right, man. Bye. Bye.